0: Hi, my name is Michał Matliewski, and you're listening to Black Belt Selling.
1: Welcome to Black Belt Selling with Stephanie and Anna Scheller. I'm Anna. And I'm Stephanie. We are a mother-daughter team who are passionate about helping you grow your business through sales training and coaching. On Black Belt Selling, we bring amazing guests, right, Steph?
2: Oh my gosh. Guys, we, have, we find the coolest people to introduce you to, no lie. Oh, you
1: they're always great. And we provide content, which you're going to be seeing more of on this show, so that you can be equipped to become a black belt in sales. Now, if you want to learn more about us, great place to meet us is where Stephanie?
2: In our Facebook group. Facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash black belt selling. We always have cool posts and cool people. We only let the cool people in. So you have to apply. And if we like you we'll let you in. Which most
1: everybody we like. I don't think we've turned anybody away. Have you?
2: I've turned some people away. Yeah, some people that, you know, if you, look, here's the deal. If you just joined Facebook and you're already a member of 200 groups, probably not going to make it in. Just saying.
1: Oh, okay. Well, anyway, come to our Facebook group. There (laughs) are just a few questions we ask you to fill out. And then me or Stephanie, we will be happy Stephanie or I, she use proper English, will be happy to um, include you in our little club, which is growing, which is growing. Now, today's guest, actually, Stephanie, you introduced me to Miha. Let me see if I can get, say his name right. Matt Now, Miha, he, he always opens up with, I have no fancy diploma, but he does have doctoral degrees from the University of Hard Knocks.
2: And if anybody has some doctoral degrees from the University of Hard Docs, this guy does. Like, seriously. I don't know that, I mean, everyone's got a story, but this guy's story, the first time I heard his story, like, I was over here, like, like, literally crying and, like, trying not to sniffle and ruin the recording and, like, man, this guy's got some serious, serious story.
1: And of course, we're going to hear about it in the interview, but think about not failing one company, not failing two, not failing three, but four companies. And in the space of two weeks, losing close to $20 million, this is a man who can talk to you about failure.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, and guys, look, we all fail. We all have issues and, you know, we all have this. We sit here and we tell ourselves, like, no one knows what I've been through. Ooh. And man, dude, if anyone can relate with what you've been through, this guy, this guy can. Wait till you hear his story. Let's go ahead and bring him on. Absolutely. Failure
1: is not taboo, but let's learn how to fail smart.
2: Well, Miha, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy schedule and, uh, and, and middle of the night to come and hang out with us.
0: Well, thank you, Stephanie, for having me on your podcast.
2: So this is actually our second interview. You and I did a, a business owner spotlight, and after listening to you, I said, "Holy crap, we got to get this guy on black belt selling um, primarily because of your story. your story is spectacular, Miha, but I, I, we have a lot of listeners who are not mutual to both, so why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about you, your background, your story what what is your your story is just is mind blowing. So let's start with that.
0: Um, well, I wouldn't say that it's so mind blowing. It's just uh, a story. I've heard worse <laughs> stories, to be honest. Wow. Um, but but uh, yeah, um, maybe it's uh, a good one because many business owners and entrepreneurs can relate to it. Uh, so um, it all starts at very young age. Uh, I was born and raised in a in a very loving family, even too loving. So I never had to do much. Uh, I never had to, you know, try hard to achieve anything. So um, when I dropped out of high school just because I didn't felt like going to school, um, my father would employ me immediately. And it was not that I was an employee; I was son by occupation, to be honest. Um, so. Yeah, I still hadn't had much to do there. And uh, yeah, fast forward a few years, um, he suddenly died. And I was completely unprepared for the world out there. Um, And when I started doing things on my own, um, I was let's say lucky enough, but uh, I wouldn't even say lucky enough. It was just the other day when we were talking with some friends and we came to a conclusion that at that point, we're talking about before the financial crisis in 2008, everything in Europe was thriving. I mean, I can't remember a single company going bankrupt in Slovenia in those years. So it was not so much that I was that successful. It was the whole economy. But, you know, I took it very personally. I thought, wow, I'm really, really a genius in business. And um, the main thing that got me down on my knees was not being humble, not recognizing Mm -hmm. what I am good at and what I'm not good at. And that was my downfall. So when I had some contracts to sign, I was like, who needs a lawyer? Why would I pay that? I mean, that, that didn't seem like an investment. That that seemed just like a cost. You know, like, why would I do that? I can take a look at that contract. I'm smart enough to recognize if there is something wrong with it. Well, it shows that I wasn't that smart. So when the financial crisis came, um, those holes, those little holes uh, started you know, just getting bigger and bigger until one day the whole thing exploded right in front of me. And it was December of 2009. Um, just like a month before that, uh, I had some due diligence done on one of my companies because I was actually thinking to sell it to uh, to another investor. And that due diligence showed that my personal Net worth or my personal wealth was 12.5 million euros, which is roughly 14, 15 million us. Uh, and you can imagine I was what 30, 31 at that time, how good that must've felt to be worth all that money. You know, uh, Um, And, yeah, because of that one contract and because everything was tied together, uh, all my companies, I had four companies at that time, it was just, you know, like a domino effect. Uh, So the one went under and all the rest followed. And in just two weeks time, um, I went from plus 15 million US to minus almost 5 million US. And that was my personal debt. Uh, I was personally owing not just to one bank, but to many banks, to uh, suppliers, ex-employees. And at that time, I had 88 employees in my companies, four of them. So I was owing money to them. I was owing money to my friends who were uh, helping me, trying to save everything at that point. And uh, in Europe, um, if your company goes into bankrupt, Well, at least that was the case at that time in Slovenia. Um, You were not able to do personal bankruptcy. I mean, you can do it, but the whole point of personal bankruptcy is so that your debt goes away. Uh, And that's not possible if you're still owing to the government and and the ex-employees and and you went into a bankrupt uh, with a company. So I stayed there without anything Uh, I mean, I didn't just lose the money and and the companies. I lost really everything. I I divorced. I um, lost uh, my uh, real estate. Uh, I lost uh, even my friends, my so-called friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it was a very hard time. I went into huge depression, anxiety, stress, just complete darkness within me, outside of me, you know, uh, there was no ten- tunnel. That I, I would at least I didn't saw a tunnel. I didn't saw any light on the other side of the tunnel. And I'm guessing even if I would saw the light, it would probably mean that the train is heading my way. Um, <laughs> yeah, that 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 was the reality of that time for me. Um, mm. And you know just. It was painful to to just leave every single day. Uh, I mean, I would wake up to phone calls from everybody calling me about money, uh, threatening you know those were really not nice calls uh, and uh, you know just trying to stay alive until at one point i I ended up not even caring about that uh, and uh, a few months into two thousand and ten. Um, I, I was thinking about suicide more and more often, um, even dreaming about it, you know, when I would be driving my car and the truck was coming in from the separate, uh, direction. I was like, oh, how easy would be just, you know, to turn that steering wheel. Yeah. I mean, you know. The pain of you know those few minutes while you're dying didn't seem like much comparing to pain of living every day, going through all those phone calls all that you know that nuclear reaction going on yeah. in in your head uh, and uh yeah, there was this one point when I was on my balcony. my apartment was just about to be taken away um I was smoking what i thought was my last cigarette um and just you know staring down from the fifth floor and yeah as you reminded me uh before we hopped on this podcast yeah i mean the the thing that was going on in my head was like will i just do this thing correctly or will i fail at this as well and end up just in wheelchair i mean can i do this right um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, right now it's, it's like funny, uh, when I think about it. Uh, but at that point it was definitely not something that I would laugh about, but yeah, in, in, in that instant moment, I mean, things just happened like in a, I would say in less than five minutes, all these thoughts coming in. Um, I, I first, I mean, I thought about my mom and not so much, to be honest, not uh, how she will take it if I if I die or something like that. Uh, it was, uh, well, what will happen to her after? I will get my peace in my, you know, like, uh, but um, she would be left with that debt as well because she co-signed a few things because she believed in me. And mm-hmm. I mean, she was a bank clerk and the average paycheck at that time was around... 1,000 US dollars a month. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, how would she ever repay that amount of money? So she would have to leave her house. Uh, I mean, what would she do? How would that life be? And that was actually more painful than living my life every day. That, that was a bigger pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that pain was what started uh, my way of going back. And next day in the morning, I started calling everybody. I actually didn't go to sleep so that I would really be awake before they started calling me, and I started calling everybody before that, and it was like you know if if you want to kill me and that will i don't know somehow make you happy, then you know just come here. I honestly don't care. just do it but <laughs> if you want to, but if you want your money back then you can either A, help me, maybe open some doors for me or something. You know that I'm not a bad person. You know what I'm good at. So either help me or at least leave me alone. Don't call me every single day because that just puts me in depression. And you know, just leave me alone. Uh, let's agree on a day in a month so uh, and they all agreed that it's, it was one su- the first Sunday of uh, Saturday of every month when I would call them and report on my progress. And all the other days, I had that peace of mind again, and that you know like helped me start doing some small, simple, little steps. Um, and it was those little steps that created over a few weeks a momentum. You know, it's just like train leaving the station it starts Mm -hmm. slowly but when it hits two three hundred miles per hour nothing can stop it and and that was the start of me going back I mean it took me five years uh to really bounce back I would say that I probably did everything wrong what you can do wrong at least business wise um and so there was a lot for me to learn in those years And uh, I was still not humble enough, you know, to look for help. No, I had to do it, everything by myself. So there was a lot of trial and error. I read a lot of books. I, I, you know, like uh, watched a lot of videos and so on. But then I was trying all sorts of things for for each thing that I needed to correct. And uh, of course, it took me quite some time to find the right mix of things that you need to do to bounce back. But I mean... I'm not, I'm not, uh, sad about it. I did learn a lot. Uh, I, I can now help people through that learning through all those failures. And I actually, if, I mean, if, when people who knew me from that time, they say, I mean, it's amazing how you were able to turn all those failures into, uh, what you do now Mm -hmm. and how you help people. Uh, because I know a lot of people who failed and failed miserably, even more than I did. Uh, but they never learned the lessons. So they never really bounced back and they keep doing same mistakes, expecting better results and so on. Uh, but yeah, sometimes they just won't listen and I can't help somebody who won't listen at least a little bit.
1: You know, there was something that you said, of course, we're talking about sales and failure. Failure goes hand in hand with success. We believe that failure is on the opposite spectrum of success. But actually failure, failure done right, if you will, or failure where you are willing to learn from the past, um, not dwelling on it, but can actually lead to greater Um, greater successes and you said a word experiment kind of or there was something that I'm not maybe you didn't say it but when you were talking about the right mix I was thinking I think a lot of us are afraid to experiment with different things to see what works especially in sales because sales has so much oh what do I want to say there's so much at stake um, when you're in the in the conversation with a customer, you know commissions are at stake. Um, businesses can be at stake. So talk a little bit about the importance of experimenting and having fun with it, because you have to have fun with it, or it, that's not going to work for you either.
0: Um, well, the main thing that I have to go through with every client, whether that's one on one, whether that's workshop style, whatever is their mindset on how they view failure. And as long as you view failure in a negative way and especially connect negative feelings with failure, um, you won't try, you won't experiment because you will be afraid of failing. So Mm. the number one important thing is to change how you view failure. Um, And I mean, there are a lot of techniques how this can be done, uh, you know, like mindfulness, like emotional intelligence, and, and so on and so on. I mean, those are uh, all the things that I then go through with people. We do the exercises and all that. Um, and, and the sole purpose of that is to change the mindset, change how they view failure. One of, a, one of the very simple and nice techniques is to introduce failure journal into your life. So you just buy a notebook, and every day when something you fail at something you just write it down and then the point of writing it down is then maybe on a weekend you spend some time rereading it and asking yourself good questions empowering questions questions that will produce results I mean it's basically just like googling you know if you google uh, show me nearby pizzerias uh, google won't show you nearby car dealerships so you need, in, you need to ask Google good questions and you need to feed your brain with the right questions. And the right question would be like, I don't know, uh, what could I have done differently? Um, mm. How could I approach this client differently? Um, how could I prepare my offer in a different way? How could I, you know, do different techniques for closing the, the deal? Um, can I learn Uh, Or can I enroll in a course that will help me be better at closing or better at this or better at that? I mean, there is a ton of software out there that can help you, you know, get better at how you create proposals. You can do them in Word and Excel, but there are now tons of pages that, you know, you already have pre-prepared templates and so on and and so on and so on. I mean, there's a ton of things. It depends if you're, you know, in a car dealership or you're selling mobile phones or you're doing like these huge businesses uh, that are, I don't know, 1 million, 10 million. I mean, my biggest contract that I ever um, did by selling, uh, I mean, I was the salesperson for that. I mean, it was my startup was for 42 million U.S., Just one contract.
1: Wow. And it took
0: me six months to land that contract. But that's that's definitely one of, I mean, my whole role all through my companies was mostly being the salesperson. So I can completely relate to what you're talking about. I was the one responsible for sales, networking, connecting, creating relationships, and so on. And, you know, what I've learned is that questions are more important than answers. So, you know, if you're in sales, just stop talking. I mean, your client doesn't care who you are. All they Mm -hmm. care is what value you provide, what good they will get from whatever you are selling them. That's what you need to think about. Every phone call, every meeting that you go into, have that mindset. How can I be of as much value as possible? But, you know, every now and then you will meet a jerk who only wants free stuff. And that's okay. I mean, that life's yeah. like that. I mean, you can't, nobody, I don't know anybody with 100% track record. I mean, you know, if, if you, my uncle at a very young age taught me, Micha, if, if you will send out 100 proposals and you will get five yeses, that's an amazing result.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But you,
0: know, you have to do the homework. The more homework you do, the more knowledge you have, the more you talk with your potential client base, uh, the more information you will get and the easiest it will be. I mean, I see people that want to start their businesses and they don't know who their ideal client is. They don't go out and find 10, 15, 20 of them to talk about with them. I mean, ask them. People are really uh, happy if they can answer some questions for you. I mean, yeah. people like talking, especially when you, they see that you genuinely are interested in their opinion.
2: You know, Meha, it's uh, really – oh, go ahead, uh, Stephanie. I was say, that was really – I think that was like part two of the golden nugget you dropped earlier. Of questions are more important than answers, and people want to talk when they know you want to listen. So if you're just asking the question just to ask the question – don't don't bother. But if you're asking to learn, like that, that was good. Good.
0: Yeah. Stuff. I mean, well, yeah. just last week, um, I got another client for business development. They are just at the beginning, so right now we are working on the business plan. And my first question was, so who's your? I mean, first one is what's the product, but then the second one was what's your target market, and then okay. the third one will be once they figure out who's the target market will be, where can we find them? Are they online? Are they in conferences? Are they, I don't know, living in a special area and so on. And then the fourth one will be, now let's create a pitch. And for us to be able to create the pitch to uh, approach them, we need to get information from them. So I already told them, like, once you figure out who your target client is, um, go out there and find yourself 15, 20 people who are your target market that you will call like your VIP group or whatever you name them. So this will be the group that you will be extra attentive to. You will always, you know, look to give them something extra, something special. But in return, they will be your knowledge bombs. So instead of you figuring out what to say, ask them they will tell you what your their pain points are. You know, it's like, um, you know, with my coaching. So I know that one of the first things that I need to do with every client is figure out what their why is, because that's the motivation. But when you ask people, so do you have a why? They say, yes, of course I have a why. But mostly it's, it's not what I consider a why, which is a strong emotional message. Uh, and, and it's combination of, pain and pleasure because I've seen that that works best but you know if I just ask people uh, do you want to figure out your why they say no I already know my why Um, but you know what they want they want clarity they want focus they want to prioritize better and so on and all those things can be achieved with having a very clear why so instead of offering them my uh, you know workshop to do why I say, "Hey, do you want more clarity and focus? And then I know that I need to introduce the my i mean how I craft the why message um, and, and it's the same with sales. I mean if you 're selling something, you focus on on the things you know that are good. instead, go out there and yes. ask your clients what they need, what problems they have, and then solve those problems and I mean um, You know, the best way to sell is when you don't have to sell.
1: Yeah.
0: How how can you achieve that? Well, ask good questions. With good questions, what you will do is if you ask them in a good way, I mean, you have to be a bit clever about it, but you can basically guide your client to get to the answer, to, to the product that you are offering. And when they do that, because they figured it out, of course they will buy. It's something they came up with.
1: You know, it's so funny um, that you're talking about this because um, I get these emails. I'm actually trying to find the one that uh, that came up, but they said, that, um, what is the one thing that top salespeople do that average salespeople do not? And the one thing, of course, you have to go down like about halfway through the article before they show it to you, is they ask good questions. They ask good questions. And I thought, wow, that is, you know, it just resonates. It's just such a powerful thought because we feel like we have to sell. Somebody came to me and they said, "Um, yeah, I got this guy. He wants to sell for you. And I go, okay, great. Oh yeah. He talks. He's got, he's he's great talker. And I said, that's not the kind of person I want to sell for me. I need somebody who can ask good questions, not tell everybody what I do. It's not about telling people, what i do it's about finding out what people need and then seeing if there's a fit for what i do so it was uh it's so powerful that's really powerful i think and i think people are afraid i know for me Mija, sometimes i'm afraid to ask questions because i'm afraid that it might become too personal to ask too many questions um about
0: you need to figure out the right balance and i mean you know uh, when you when you have another person on the other side, whether that's on the other side of table or phone or on, on Skype or whatever, you will see from their reactions. I mean, if they become uncomfortable and it's time for you to stop asking questions or they're dived into and, and they just want to tell you as much as possible. So, I mean, and, and then another thing, uh, if I just go forward with this, is empathy,
1: mm. being
0: able to put yourself in that other person's shoes Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um and um yeah i mean those are just a few things and of course there are many more uh like emotional intelligence as well i mean knowing when to use emotions and when to be strictly logical Mm -hmm. that that's that's something that i see so many people they use emotions when logics would be appropriate and vice versa
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: emotional intelligence, in my opinion, is one of the biggest things. I mean, and it's not just in business or in sales. It, it's good in relationships, in amazing. friendship, in family, in everything that you do. If you, if you have that balance, it's, it's all about knowing when to use what and to balance yourself. So, you know, uh, not to react with emotions when it's not appropriate
2: will I think that's a great sum up for sales in general is just you know it's, it's about listening and it's about knowing because you know Anna you always talk about this people buy with the the heart and then they rationalize with the head they they decide they want to buy emotionally then they rationalize it so you have to have both pieces there um, but you got to listen in order to figure out when to use use each piece and
0: for, sure. for example, another thing that is good know your customers' metrics so how do they you know figure out what they want to purchase or what what the end expectation is for them you know so if you are a marketer marketing to coaches so what 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 are we as coaches interested in while well, having a lot of um good high paying clients that's one metric and and you know if you send me a cold email and and in the subject line you say hey do you want to get another 5 uh high paying clients this month, oh I'm sure gonna click on it. I'm not gonna just delete that thing. Because it's something that I'm of course interested in. So figure out what the metrics are of your clients. So either start with pain point or with the end result.
1: Absolutely. And and, and really it gets back to you can't be afraid of failure because because to do what we're talking about you have to be comfortable with okay, that one didn 't work as well as I that one didn 't work the way I thought it was going to work. Let me try something
0: else um, One good thing to to get over that is um, to put some numbers behind what you 're doing because numbers take out a lot of emotions, so if you 're in sales and you know to to reach a goal, a certain goal, whether that's, I don't know, I want to acquire 20 new clients this month. Uh, Of course, there are many ways how you can do that. You know, you can cold call, you can call the email, you can, you know, ask for recommendations, you can do this, you can do that. I mean, there are probably 20, 30, 50, 100 ways how you can achieve that goal. And of course, you need to try a few of them. But, you know, like try to Uh, try to put some metrics on it and say, okay, I'm going to try 10 calls, 10 emails, uh, 10 recommendations. And then, you know, at the end of that trial period, figure out how each of them worked. And when you see that one is doing better than the other, just keep doing that one. And of course, always leave some time to try some new things. I mean, Mm -hmm. try, you know, like what I do with my clients is, I try to make things, I mean, not try, but we actually do things very enjoyable, fun to do. Um, you know, we figure out what that why is so that they are still motivated in, even on the bad days and so on. So it's a, it's a series of things that we do that keep them in balance, that keep those emotions in balance. Um, and, and then Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, every day doing a few things and that's it. Uh, and also a good thing is to have some support. I mean, either your partner, your uh coworkers, anybody. I mean, even just go on Facebook, find a group uh that that's in, in your niche or something, get an accountability partner, whatever. Um, just you know, everything is so much easier with some support.
2: Yeah, I I think anything anything becomes, any, any challenge. I was chatting with a chick the other day, and it was interesting. She didn't say the word failure. She didn't say, I feel like a failure. But the way she was talking, all of a sudden, I said, you know, have you been calling yourself a failure in your head? And she just started almost crying. She goes, I, I have. I feel like I failed at everything. And I said, you know, who's supporting you with this? She goes, oh, my husband. I was like, are you letting him? Because I know this chick, and she's she's the type of person who's like, no, no, I got this. Don't you? And I was like, you know, look, we all we all screw up. We all need that support system. So I think mm-hmm. that's 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 a that's a great nugget. Yeah, this was really awesome. I know we're kind of out of time for the interview portion here, but um, is there some way that some of our listeners can get in touch with you if they're uh, interested in continuing the conversation?
0: Well, the best way to do it is through my Facebook group, uh, the Fail Forward Nation, and I mean they can just you know like find me on facebook they can all always connect with me uh there uh just you know go to my personal profile uh and then there they can find the link to the group and yeah the best ways in the group i try to give a lot of knowledge there for free for everybody to learn from it uh and it's we also do like regular uh, mastermind calls and, and so on. So it's it's a great way to not just connect with me, but also to get to know me and learn from all those past mistakes that I have done.
2: Nice. Well, and for our listeners out there, if you have not already, uh, you can also pull, we'll get Miha into our black belt selling group, so You can connect with him there as well. And then we'll also make sure we get the links for the fail forward nation over there for you guys. Uh, again, Miha, this was great. I, I know I've already interviewed you, but I still managed to get another two pages or so of notes over here. So this was, this was awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I mean, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for inviting me. It's always, you know, like nice to have these opportunities because I know that, um, just by sharing the story, um, almost every time somebody reaches out and says, Hey, that's exactly what I'm going through. Um, can you help me a little bit, uh, And uh, if you could do it, well, I can do it as well. And just doing that feels, you know, like so rewarding. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to connect with your audience as well.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us.
0: Wow,
2: isn't he awesome? I love Miha. Like, seriously, every time I listen to this guy. So, this was my second interview with him, and I still got really good stuff out of this. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I think one of my favorite takeaways was this whole idea of a failure journal every night. Okay. So, I have heard of gratitude (laughs) journals every night, I've heard of success journals every night. I've never thought about doing a failure journal. I mean, like, here, let's focus on your failures. But it's actually. Kind of a good idea, I, I thought.
1: Well, I think it's really freeing because in the interview he mentioned how saying that he was a failure. Well, there was a crystal moment because before we had even had the interview with him, we talked about the fact that he had con- contemplated killing himself. He was getting yeah. ready to jump over a balcony, and then he even didn't even really think he could kill himself. Plus, he had a crystal moment, one of which was his big why. But the big thing was he realized up until then, he had never called it failure. When he called it failure, he got it out. It was there. And suddenly, and some people think that if you mention failure, it's a negative energy. But if it's releasing negative energy, then it frees you to move on. So I haven't started my failure journal yet. I think I'm a little nervous about it myself. (laughs)
2: Well, but I think, I think you're right. It it does. It frees you to move on and it makes it, it makes it not a big deal. It doesn't, it's no longer crippling. It's no longer, you know, like, and and there's this side, right? So you you don't want to focus on the failure, right? You don't want to live and breathe in the failure and like be yourself. That's not, I don't think that's what he was going for. I think it was, you know, it's call it failure, address it learn from it as he says fail smart yep then move on and don't make this you know I know people who are literally stuck in their failures they can't get past that they're they're you know a year later two years later they're still living in this one incident and it's screwing up their whole life uh, so it's not about that it's about getting it out to let it go and I you know I, I wonder we should have asked I didn't think about it but I wonder how often he goes back and reviews his failure journals to or if he doesn't, or if he just like tries to learn the lesson and move on, or if he looks <laughs> at how he, how he's screwed up, we should, we should follow up with him on that one.
1: Yeah, there we go. There we go. I'm sure he would be happy throw that in his Facebook group or in our Facebook group, because Miha's part of the Facebook group. There we go. You there know, we go. well, you know, and part of that is you take that failure and you start to ask good questions. There was one comment that he made is that the questions are more important than the answers. And I think the more we talk to people, the more we are interviewing people, I'm seeing that that is really, really critical. Like um, one of our next guests, he has the same thing. You need to ask yourself good questions. And, and these are questions that you have to allow the answers to come in such yeah. a way that you're willing to look at them Objectively, and that can be very difficult when you're stinging and you're feeling depressed from failure. But asking yourself questions and then sitting back and realizing the answers are probably not as terrible as you think they are, (laughs) right? Um, I mean, ask yourself the questions, also ask your customers the questions. You know, don't be afraid. Good questions have a way of bringing good answers, and it's those good answers that we need in order to learn. From our failure fail forward fail smart and if anything let me tell you that failure I've heard this again and again and again if some people were going to do things over they would simply fail faster they yeah. would fail faster we didn't talk about that but that's really a part of this concept what can you learn from your failures that you would not otherwise learn, implement it, move on, get going. Let's, let's, let's move forward. Let's move forward. And let's realize that failure is not the end of the world. It is simply a step in your journey to success.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I love the fact that he went into questions. I love the fact that one of our, our very, very quickly coming up guests went into these questions that you ask yourself. What yeah. questions? What questions do you ask yourself? And, and, you know, it's interesting because earlier today, I was doing a presentation and uh, I was talking about how uh, human beings in general try and give the answer that they think is wanted. They try and give the right, we try and give the right answer. Just as human beings, we, we learn from a young age and, you know, has spoke about emotional intelligence a little bit. Um, We learn from a very young age to you know, watch. And when, you know, mom and dad start making that, you know, that furrowed brow look retreat from the conversation. Don't continue down that path because you know, you're upsetting them. Not that my parents ever made the furrowed brow look ever clearly. Um,
1: (laughs) she never paid attention. Just, just listen. She never paid attention.
2: (laughs) I mean, anyhow, but I think, I think it's true. You know, we ask ours even to ourselves, we try and give ourselves the answer we think we're looking for. And so it's taking that time to sit and really think through it. Um, and giving your, you know, to take it back to what he talked about with your prospects, giving your prospects time to sit and think through their answers too, and not insisting on having a, a quick answer right away. I think, You know, as far as the tips on sales goes, it's funny. I can see a trend. All of these superstars that we've had come on. Oh wow! What do they do? They all talk about asking questions. They all talk about listening. I think if you had to create the hallmarks tenets of sales, those those would be them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think there was um, something he talked about was that because a failure is such an emotional, it's a very emotionally tied event in our life that we want to use numbers to take the emotion out of it what do i need to do Um, i recently read somewhere that uh, you can and we're going to actually get this guy on our show but this person recommends that every 90 days you do an adjustment you start adjusting to get you back toward the direction you want to go because we tend to think of our path as being very linear And, um, you know, things happen in a quarter and a quarter will give you a good picture of where you're at and what you need to do for the next quarter in order to make adjustments. So numbers can actually take the emotion out of the experience, really turn it into something that you can be, you can turn into a learning experience, something that can actually benefit you instead of something that keeps you in that deep, dark place where you feel like you can't get anything done, that you are, you're a failure. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true and it's not necessary.
2: Yeah. All in all, I think this was one of our, this was a good interview. I wouldn't say one of our, like, you can't really differentiate. It's like, you know say that's your favorite child or something like you've never managed to admit that I'm your favorite, but we all know, we all know. Uh, but on the side, I do want to invite you guys again to make sure you join our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash black belt selling great content, great people leverage your friend power. Come join us in the meantime. Always remember being a black belt in sales, in life, It's about that constant learning, and more than just learning, it's about that constant application. So take something you learned this week and go do something with it and make your week awesome. I am Stephanie here for Anna, and this is Black Belt Selling.